0: Independent. Expressive of a spirit of independence. Self-confident. Unconstrained. Happy Halloween. My name is Joe Armstrong and you are listening to Independence Day. This is the show that examines the changing face of the music business and the people who are doing the changing. Independence Day brings you independent artists, producers and music industry visionaries with in-depth reviews, live performances and inside information, all without hype and direct from the artists who practice their craft. Tonight on Independence Day... Hannah Aldridge. Hannah Aldridge is steeped in what drive-by truckers Patterson Hood calls the Southern Thing, a phrase that tries to summarize the living, breathing duality of the rich and troubled history of the American South. Aldridge is based in Nashville these days, but she spent her formative years in the fertile musical turf near Muscle Shoals, Alabama, about 125 miles south of her current home. Muscle Shoals is a small backwoods southern river town that happens to have long been a legendary destination for world-class musicians. Something in the muddy water seeps into the souls of the people who live and record in Muscle Shoals, and that inexplicable magic winds up in the record's cut there. Aldridge's apple didn't fall far from the talent tree. Her father is noted songwriter and musician Walt Aldridge, but the younger Aldridge has more than enough keen observations in her gritty songs and confidence in her sweet and rural voice to earn her her own hard-won stripes. She writes from the perspective of a strong woman in a setting where men talk big, but seldom do the honorable, righteous, or even logical thing. And it is this songwriting authenticity that raises her above the throng of Americana singer-songwriters of either gender. She has a new album called Razor Wire and is already working on songs for a follow-up release. Welcome to Independence Day, Hannah Aldridge.
1: Hi, how are you doing? I'm
0: very well. How's it going?
1: Pretty good, pretty good. You're
0: pretty far from home.
1: I am. I'm happy to be here, though.
0: Yeah, California is a is a wondrous
2: place.
1: It is. It really is. It. It's. A, there's a lot of interesting people and places. And I saw as I was coming in that there's a Google car outside.
2: Yeah.
1: Um. And I was informed that there are some that drive themselves. And yeah. I thought only in California. Cars. Yes.
0: It's so funny because I didn't grow up here. This is not my home right. turf. But like. I, I mean LA I could take or leave it's fine I don't yeah. hate it I don't love it but yeah. I love California yeah, I love like the, the ideal of California it's, you know? it
1: really is great and it's interesting because you get a little bit of everything you know it's it goes all the way up you know where it's got mountains and right. it's right on the ocean and then yeah. you've got the beach and all this so I love it out here I really really do it, it takes all my might not to not yeah. to move out here but then I'll look at real estate and I'm like oh yeah. yes that's why little, I don't live here <laughs>
0: it's a little spendy as it is. the kids say it is thing spendy. people think, you know, this is a challenge for uh, for bands who are touring, right. whether, especially if they're from here. Right. Because if you look at the East Coast, mm-hmm. I mean, how many states comprise the East Coast of the United States? Like, I
2: have
1: been chatting 10, 10 with... 10 or 12 yeah, or Yeah, so? I've been chatting with lots of musicians around here talking about the difference in touring um, depending on location. Um, being in Nashville, the wonderful thing about it is it's so central... Um, that you can really hit, you know, a good portion of the states. Right. Um, but but then then again, you know, uh, there's the whole west side of the United States that's really right. difficult. And um, I actually used to work as a booking agent, so I, I know um, kind of how that whole thing works the ins and outs of it. And it's it's very, it's a lot more difficult to get from Dallas to LA than you would think, you know, especially if it's not the perfect day of the week. Um Especially
0: if you're not flying too. Exactly. If you're, if you're, you're driving, if you're in a tour, van,
1: yeah, yeah. I mean, if you're
0: in a bus, it's not that big of a deal because you've got a paid driver exactly. and you sleep through that whole thing. Like yep. the times I've been on bus tours, you know, it's like you, wherever you are, you wake up somewhere completely different right, from where right. you went to sleep. But you know, we did, I think we did Phoenix to Austin. Right. was like that yeah. long yeah, overnight. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. And so it's like, on that overnight, you don't wake up in the parking lot of the venue. Right. You wake up on the road and you drive all day. Right. You know, yep. on top of all night. Yeah. So it's a big these are big drives.
1: Yeah, they wanna a lot of times uh, people wanna get you know, they wanna play Austin on a Friday night and they wanna play, you know, Phoenix on a Saturday or something. I'm like, man, that's like, not gonna happen. Yeah,
0: you're you're a masochist. <laughs> it's just try not that.
1: gonna happen. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's just uh yeah, it really is interesting and and um I think it's a nice thing to have your roots kind of on both, if you're a touring musician, to have it kind of on both sides because um, one thing that's very interesting out here to me is that um, there's a lot of, music that's happening out here that we're completely unaware of on the East Coast and vice versa. Right. So whereas in Nashville I feel like I really have a good grip on what is going on and yeah. who is who and you know what what everyone's doing. I come out here and I see shows and I'm like, I have never seen any of these people play before, yeah. you know? And they're doing well. They're doing well and it's a little unnerving, honestly. I'm like, Oh my goodness, I thought I knew my competition and I just yeah. don't at all. So
2: Yeah. But yeah, it's yeah. nice
1: too as well because um it's refreshing you know I mean I, I feel like I had already heard everything there was to hear and I was getting kind of bored and now while I've come out here I've, I've met I mean just in the couple of days while I've been in LA I've met so many people that are doing things that you know I hadn't yeah. heard like we were talking about Brian that was in that place Brian Whelan man he is outrageously good yeah and I that was so fun because like Dwight Yoakam is not somebody who plays you know a lot or they don't reside in Nashville right. so whereas like you know Sturgill Simpson and people like that that are kind of out there I see them around I see the guys all the time you know I know what they're up to but you know you come out here and it's like man I don't I hadn't even thought about that I guess they have a band you know and, and you get to hear those people's so it's really fun. It's it's nice to be able to...
0: You know, and we were chatting about this before as we were, you know, setting up, but like the technology is really facilitated Oh my that gosh,
1: I know. Because,
0: you know, now like I, there's so many people that I wouldn't have heard, like people who are naysayers about the music business right. will say, oh, there's no good music. And I right. think they're wrong. Right. I think there's fantastic music being made. But it's funny, it's a dichotomy because in some ways it's easier to find it. And because you can mm-hmm. have the access to the mm-hmm. internet, but in other ways it's harder to find it yeah. because you're inundated yeah. with so many people that's everywhere. That's very, very,
1: that. very true. I think it's a double edged sword for me. I, I use Pandora a lot. Um, yeah. That that's really helped me kind of sort through who I like and who I might like. Um, I've discovered just a ton of artists on there. Um, But, you know, I I constantly am kind of looking uh, for other things. And and, um, the further I go along, the further um, some of my favorite bands are my friends. You know, as you kind of go
0: a little... As you come up together. As you
1: come up, yeah. You know, some of my favorite bands are people that I just love what they do. And and it's actually kind of amazing because I get to write with them or I get to, you know, perform with them. And so that's really, really... Fun but I've kind of seen that in myself happen in the past couple of years is like my favorite writers are some of the people in Nashville that that I write with, yeah. you know because I know how great they are, and um and so that is that's that's you know it, in a way being in the music industry is a bit of a double edged sword when you are um, looking for music because it's really right. hard to just objectively yeah listen to music and find music because you know everyone that plays in all the yeah, bands I, and I've stuff got this you know
0: totally I've got a thing where it's like I can go to a show and like look what their backline is set up like and yeah. tell you what they're going to sound like exactly like yeah. I don't even have to hear the band and I know exactly just by looking at the types of amps the types of pedals the types of guitars the way the drummer set up his drum set mm-hmm. or her drum set like I can totally just tell you within reasonable you know
1: right yeah well that's you know what that's kind of a fun thing about um about being an entertainer because at the end of the day I like to remind myself that you know it is the entertainment business it's not life or death you know Um, it feels like that sometimes (laughs) but yeah but um but I um you know I, I I take my writing and my job seriously and the fact that I want to do it as well as I possibly can and I and there's nothing that 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 is more, um, obnoxious to me than so not even obnoxious but just disheartening to me as someone who has everything but the songs to go with what they're doing but so i i really have i really believe in that it all begins with a song motto i really believe that because if you don't have that then all you have is hype but beyond that i i think it's really fun um as a female to to go out on stage and and see the look on people's faces if they've never seen you play before and uh, see that they're kind of rolling their eyes going, oh, God, here comes a tall blonde yeah, a yeah. girl with a guitar. She's going to sound like Taylor Swift. And then you come out and the opening line is like, I miss you, like morphine straight to my veins or something like that. Yeah. And people are like, oh, my God, this is crazy. So yeah. um, so that's really fun to me about on that same topic of kind of what things look like. I think that they can... Uh, be really fun to play with um, because it almost changes things for people depending on what the face is behind yeah. you know the music so. yeah people
0: are locked into stereotypes mm-hmm. and again this goes back to that technology question like in some ways the, the internet busts all those stereotypes in other ways it reinforces Mm -hmm, it. mm -hmm. So, you know, I I say this all the time, you know, the power of technology can be used for good or can be used for not. That's
1: very, very true. And,
0: you know, we just hope we try to stay on the good side.
1: That's very true. So,
0: tonight's guest on Independence Day, Ms. Hannah Aldridge, who's a Nashville based singer-songwriter. And man, is she good. You guys should really check this out. We've got a lot of music queued up. But first, let's hear something from her most recent record. The record's called Razor Wire, came out in May. The song is Howlin' Bones. Hannah Aldridge on Independence Day.
2: Oh, Hell in bones, singing like the rain on old Black River, and don't, don't you know, you don't shake no hell in bones.
0: Badass track from Hannah Aldridge. She's from Muscle Shoals, Alabama, but she's living in Nashville these days, which is the right place if you're a serious <laughs> singer or songwriter, especially if the emphasis is on the songwriter part.
1: That's right. Because yep. there's
0: such a you know one. I, first, I want to know what's in the water in in Muscle Shoals, <laughs> but then the second question I have is Nashville seems to be having this renaissance, and mm. is it legit? You right. know, so it's a two-part question. So right, first, right. first and foremost, I mean, they're related, but not. Yeah, you, you were actually you're from Muscle I'm from, Shoals. I
1: was born and raised, and um, uh, you know, for me, Muscle Shoals is an interesting thing because I did not appreciate anything that I had ex- gotten to experience, you know, firsthand until I was in college studying music, and I was in um, a music history class, and we did this whole thing on Muscle Shoals, and I'm like. I'm from there, you know. I yeah. I've been oh, fame. Like I grew up there. I know. I know about yeah. fame. I used to go there every day after school. And um, so for me, um, Muscle Shoals is a, is you know. There's a lot of interesting takes on that whole thing. And actually, my dad, who's a musician, is um, Walt he, Aldridge. Walt, yeah. And he um, he's a he's a songwriter, and he wrote for Rick Hall, and and you know, wrote at Fame and all of that. Um, but he has an interesting blog that I would recommend you to check out. It's called Thoughts on Coffee Cups. And he has a whole thing about the Muscle Shoals. And actually, um, there have been a couple big, you know, um, I guess writers and stuff that have kind of republished this because it's interesting to hear him talk about it because he worked for Rick Hall longer than anybody else ever has, which is like...
0: Which you've seen quite a bit.
1: Which you should... Yeah, exactly. So he's seen a lot. And um, so his whole thought on this is that Muscle Shoals is not... um, anything, uh, the music is not necessarily spectacular in the fact that it's like, wow, this is totally different, that they've had such a huge, uh, successful career in music. What's interesting about it is that unlike Detroit, or Memphis, or even Chicago, we've managed to keep it going, you know, and so that's kind of an interesting thought is that it's not that you know, because in the 70s, everybody was putting out great music. England was putting out great music. You know, every, every the West Coast, the East Coast people all over the world were putting out great. It was just a great time in music. But what's really interesting is that, you know, uh, whereas some of the other cities have kind of become uh, just obsolete a little bit in, in terms of it being a music City uh Muscle Shoals has managed to still kind of keep its head above water and yeah. um
0: So what's in the water? That's my question. You know, like, I
1: think I think um there is uh a really interesting kind of mesh of country and blues that happened long before any of us were around and I think that that's what kind of has um has got this interesting sound to it is that um you know there's there's a country blues sound. But then at the same time, I also think that I can see personally, and the only real perspective I can give on Muscle Shoals is what I've experienced. But like I said, I think everyone was kind of doing well in, in the 70s and 80s. So um, I think what's more interesting to look at is now, and what I can say now is going on in Muscle Shoals is that I think uh, we take a lot of pride in the musical history that Muscle Shoals has. And so all, all of us who come from Muscle Shoals that are still musicians and, uh, and, and are outperforming, I think that we kind of feel like it's our duty to keep that going, you know? And, and, um, you know, I know a couple of people that are from Muscle Shoals that have moved to LA or, or Nashville, and they don't claim Muscle Shoals as their home. But that, you know, but yeah. the, for the most part, everyone that's from Muscle Shoals really has their their heel dug in the in the dirt down there and says, "I'm yeah. from here," and the we're going to keep this going. Clay in the red clay, yes. And
0: that's the thing because for people, I mean, people have to know. I mean, in the music community, people who are listening to this show probably understand how important Muscle Shoals right. was in American music. But, but they the thing didn't is, until
1: that documentary came out again. Well, I, I don't, I don't necessarily
0: agree with I that. Mean, I mean. I People when I know. was
1: out when I was out touring before that came out people go I don't know, I don't know where that hmm. is but now that it's come out I have all these people come up to me and it's been so interesting to to watch this happen yeah. all these people now come up to me and they're you know they know everything about Muscle Shoals and I'm like had you not seen that documentary you would not even yeah. know that your favorite record was recorded down there and that's that's what's kind of interesting to see is that all these people and people like David Hood and Donnie Fritz and all these people that were in the middle of the muscle Shoal scene five years ago, you could go see them play in a hole in the wall place. Nobody gave a crap about it yeah. anymore no, it was kind of dying out and this I remember talking to Rick Hall before the whole thing ever went through that documentary ever came out and he said, yeah I'm doing this this movie, you know blah 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 I said, okay, whatever." And then it comes out and everybody, you know, sees the thing. And it's crazy because I went over to England and played a festival recently and they flew David Hood in. And we sat there and talked about Muscle Shoals on this panel and we looked at each other and we're kind of like, this is crazy. What
0: kind of alternate universe have we yeah, landed it's in? it's
1: crazy. They've all like had this newfound fame again, you know, and it's, that was not how ha- I can tell you right now that was not happening yeah. 10 years ago in Muscle Shoals at all. Because that's you know? the
0: thing. I mean, and that's part of what I think is in the water is the people. Right. Because... It's, you know, you can have a recording studio anywhere.
2: You can build one and now
0: they're everywhere Mm -hmm. in everybody's living room and everybody's pocket. You can move multi-track on Mm -hmm. an iPhone now and Mm -hmm. on Android phones too, I'm sure. Uh, But it's the people, people like Rick Hall, people like David, Hood, people who were work-a-day people. Right. And I think that may be part of the difference was like, Rick Hall probably just found the best musicians he could find in the early 70s and said, okay, I've got a a reefer coming in. And they're exactly. like, Aretha, I'm yeah. sure they said. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, Aretha, that Aretha's coming in. Or the, the stones right. are coming in. And that's the funny thing about Muscle Shoals is that, yes, now that this documentary's out, everybody thinks they know everything about everything about Muscle Shoals. But it's a, I mean, I was born like 60, 80 miles from mm-hmm. there. And my parents live like 30 miles from there. And I've been through there a trillion mm-hmm. times. It's just like every other it's, sleepy, it's really hot, not that yeah. humid, Bug infested no, southern town. it is. Town. It's
1: hilarious to me now to hear people say. I mean, literally five years ago, if you met a musician and said, "I'm from Muscle Shoals," they go, "I think I've heard of that." Now, when I meet them, like, "Yeah, I'm I'm planning on taking a vacation down there," and I'm like, "Good luck! You're gonna yeah. go to the ma- the mall that's got a Gap and yeah. you know maybe one of their an Orange s- Julius, you know,
0: stay in a Super
2: A Exactly. Literally. There's,
1: I mean. There's just nothing there. I'm like you, you. I mean, I'll tell you the things that are amazing down there are have nothing to do with the music because Fame and Muscle Shoal Sound are about all you can see. Yeah. Which will take you an hour. And they're not know? that big. They're not that big. And there's, you know, it's it's just funny. Like it, even even you know, five years ago when you go into Fame, it was like roaches crawling on the floor. Nobody there. You know, yeah. just people wandering around. And now you go in there and there's a hundred tourists in there wanting to see the studio. Yeah. I am so grateful for it.
0: Can you even fit a hundred people in Fame okay. Studios? I don't probably, think you probably, could. but
1: I know one day they had. I remember there's a guy down there named Jimmy Nutt that told me they had 700 tourists My come in. Lord, and I'm like, man, that that's just wild to me. And I'm completely, I'm completely honored that people care that much about what happened in Muscle Shoals, and it's helped artists like me and Jason Isbell and John Paul White and all of the, the Alabama Shakes, all right. of those people. You know, let's be honest, this is we are not so great that we are just rising to the top because all of us Muscle Shoals people are that much better than everyone else in the world. I think we've got something special, but I think a lot of it is because we're from Muscle Shoals and that's cool to people and that's yeah. that's neat. It's a different thing than Nashville or LA or New York. It's Muscle Shoals. It's this this dark gritty kind of country thing and and um i think that we have really stood by each other and said this is this is our town and this is our sound and we're going to go out and represent yeah. Muscle Shoals and make a name for Muscle Shoals as opposed to moving to Nashville and saying we're from Nashville, you yeah.
0: know. Because Nashville, you know, is having this renaissance and I want to talk right. about that. that's kind of the second part mm-hmm. of that question I asked like 10 minutes right. ago, which is that, you know, I've watched countless mm-hmm. songwriters that I know both from Chicago, from New York, from LA, you know, they've always done this to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. But with the show, Nashville,
2: right, and with, yeah. you
0: know, people like this you know, I've watched Nashville for years, this kind of underground alt-country movement because mm-hmm. John Hyatt's been there forever. Right. And John, uh, John, I'm sorry, Steve Earle.
1: Steve Earle, yeah. Until
0: he moved to New York about 10 years ago, was there forever. Yeah. Gillian Welch and David Rawlings mm-hmm. have been there for a long time. So it's like it's, it's deep in the, people have been going there for years. Yeah. So that's nothing new. But there's something about this new thing that's happening in Nashville. Like now that Jason's moved there. Yeah. And now that Tim Easton just moved right. there. Right. And all these people live there. So there's this alternate, alternate world of country that's going on there that's separate from these other, the the, the, the shiny stuff.
1: Right, I think that's kind of going on all over the world, which is interesting. Even in Europe, when I go over there, I really notice that... Um, and I think uh, even out here, that's going on to to good. Of course, I I don't really know what was happening five years ago out here, but it's it seems like it was interesting to me when I came out here and started seeing shows. I was like, they're into the same stuff yeah. that we are. I wouldn't say that there's a renaissance going on in Nashville. I would say that people are, um, people are still very much you know when I walk into, insert wherever on Music Row here. Um, when I walk into that building even with you know having done the things that I've done and and you know having had some success here and there I still can lay something on their desk and they'll say we don't know what to do with this. Yeah. And and I remember very vividly having a um I remember having a conversation with a particular company that um that I I was asking somebody that works with me now that I I said, "You know, I've got this song that I think is is really great." Um and I think it I think it's got potential for film and TV, and I remember playing it for them they said i don't I don't hear anything in that and I said, "Well, you collected x amount of dollars on this for a TV show that it was already in." So yeah. I know that it has potential to be in there because you made money off of it, yeah, you know. Yeah. And that's that to me was kind of like a light bulb moment that I went, "They Nashville does they still don't get it. Yeah. They don't get it until somebody starts making so much money that they go, "Oh, wait, hold on, we want right. to be a part of that." And that's what's really aggravating to me still about the Nashville music it's scene shining. is that it is so hard to get anybody to pay attention to you, whether it be label, booking agent, PROs, whoever, they don't care if you're not Jason Aldean and you're not making a million dollars every time that you show your face on something, they don't they don't care. And so it's it really that really is kind of the truth behind it. Is somebody who's in there grinding it out. I see so many writers every day that can't get a publishing deal. To save their freaking lives, and they're and they're writing hits. They're writing hits now. Now to get a publishing deal, you have to have already had at least one song that is has done well. That you can say, look, this is how much money I made. You should pay me every year to write songs for you. And so I know a bunch of people that have had hits, huge hits, that don't have publishing deals. Yeah, and it's crazy and it's sad. But the beauty of that is that um, I think that has kind of happened because artists like me are able to do things all by ourselves. So now they have to be really really picky about who they pick up because they don't have the money that they did before because yeah. independent artists like myself are making I don't need them to do that for me. Yeah. I can do it myself, you know. And um it's almost gotten to the point where it's like You know, unless it's a really great deal of some sort, you don't really have to sign anything. And um, I think that that's kind of the renaissance that's going on in Nashville, and as opposed to people being into more hip music. I think it's just that artists are going... I don't need a record label. I don't need a booking agent. You know, I mean, at some point you get to the level where you do, but starting off, you know, that's not the first thing you do anymore. You don't go run to a record label and and try to get a deal. The new paradigm
0: is very different from the old paradigm. And the new paradigm is, you know, there's as many paths into the music industry as there are people Mm -hmm. in the music industry, whereas before, I mean, it was kind of always that way to an extent but now more so than ever before. Yeah, but let's yeah. take it a little step back. We kind of like got a little far because I want to talk, you've yeah. got a song about growing up in Muscle Shoals. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. And why don't you play that for us? What's the title of yeah, the Yeah, it's
1: called Black and White.
0: Black and White. Yeah. So this is, this is tell me, tell me just a little bit about it before you yeah, play.
1: Yeah, yeah, actually, this is this is one of the uh, the most honest songs I've ever written. Everything in this song is 100% true and I actually wrote it about my little boy Jackson. I've got a little boy um, and I wrote it about a picture of him that's in Black and White and kind of that coming of age Kind of thing, and um, and so I, uh, I wanted him to to know kind of my story. You know, if I were to die today, I wanted him to know my story about growing up in Muscle Shoals and and how I was feeling whenever he was young. And so that this song is really a personal song for me because I wrote it for my little boy.
0: All right, so Hannah Aldridge with the song "Black and White" on Independence Day.
2: Muscle shows for all the fifteen years. And ninth grade in the fall is when I had my first kiss in the Church of Christ Park in Los Praying that we would get caught And funny how those memories Just start to fade And just a little at a time I wanna go back to i black and The house up on Sterling Street Is where I learned To catch a ball And underneath that willow tree is where I bury my first dog. Snake out onto the roof and smoke a cigarette or two. But funny how those. Start to fade just a little. At a time. I want to go back to my life. In boy that's barely five I ask God to see him through each and every night the shoebox song He keeps his rocks, he says But funny how those memories will start to fade Just a little at a time And he'll want to go back to his life
0: Joe Armstrong you are listening to Independence Day please drop by indepday.com i n d e p d a I-N-D-E-P-D-A-Y dot com we've got well over 120 episodes on there now these musicians are great and I wish you would listen to them all because they all deserve to be heard and I'm very happy to add Hannah Aldridge to that Legion Hannah so nice Hello. to meet you so yeah. nice to have you, yeah, to have
1: you on yeah it's great to be
2: here
0: and what a beautiful song oh, well, a beautiful thank you so much. beautiful beautiful thank song you. and that's on your most recent record it which is. people can pick up in all the usual mm-hmm. places I'm assuming yep, yep, right Yep. I don't even have to say those anymore yeah. but everybody knows what they are yeah The record's called Razorwire, just came out in May. Um, so that song's about like your formative years growing yeah. up on Muscle Shoals, mm-hmm. but then you do a, the, the the clever songwriting thing, which is like you sell them <laughs> on the idea of yourself in the first part, mm-hmm. but then you bring it into the future with your son mm-hmm. talking about how he's going to someday look mm-hmm. back at mm-hmm. his black and white yeah. years. So very clever. good. good to, and I don't <laughs> mean you. clever bad, clever good. right? Um, you know, and of course, I mean, it's also got that sense of place. And when right. that sense of place is applied to somewhere like Muscle Shoals, right. which is, you know. I don't want to say buzzy, because that sounds in, right. you know, yeah, yeah, disingenuous, yeah. but you know, with the the, the uh, documentary that just came out, Jason Isbell's big success, yeah, the Civil yeah. War's big success, with yes. John Paul White, the Alabama Shakes mm-hmm. making a national name for themselves, uh, you know, it's kind of a, it's, it's a place now. It is a even place. And we've been more than it ever yep. has yep. been. Yep. Um, and so in light of that, you know, you're the daughter of Walt Aldridge, right. fairly well-known, you know, Nashville mm-hmm. guy. Talk, you know, obviously he's from Muscle Shoals mm-hmm, as mm-hmm. well. Then, yeah. then when you got to a certain age, you know, when did it shift from Muscle Shoals to Nashville for you? Um,
1: for me, actually, that was before I ever started writing music or, or doing this as a career at all. My dad, um, he decided to move for, I guess, for a, it was about ten years. He lived in Nashville. He was the whole through his whole career. He was commuting Muscle Shoals to Nashville, you know, several times a week, and um, and then he decided.
0: About 100 miles.
1: Yeah, it's not, yeah, it's a little, it's about, it's two hours and 15 minutes to be exact. I <laughs> yeah. make that trip all the time. And it's, it's about, you know, it's, it's just a little bit of a drive, you know. And um, so he would commute back and forth. And um, so then eventually when my sister graduated, I was 16. That's why in that song I say I lived in Muscle Shoals for all of 16 years mm-hmm. because literally right at my birthday, we moved uh, up to Nashville. And, um, and so he was writing for Sony up there. And so I, I you know, finished my high school years in Nashville and then went to a college named MTSU up there and, uh, started uh, without getting into a long story, I started writing songs in college because I took a songwriting course and which was like by chance that I even took this songwriting yeah, course. Yeah. I had never played a guitar. Cause never you were studying
0: like musical and like music engineering. I was studying like.
1: engineering in classical ballet. <laughs> and so, so I was not intending to be a songwriter or a performer. I had never written a song. And then when I wrote them, it came out of me, just like poured out of me all this stuff. And And by, you know, really by the end of the year, I was writing songs that were pretty good. You know, I mean, they were not um, that I'm getting better every day because I'm still really, really new at it. But. I was learning the art of saying things a little bit more creatively and really still I'm I'm at the point where I'm still trying to find myself as an artist. But I feel like everybody's still doing that, you know, yeah. as you get older. Well
0: it's in your blood, obviously. Right. I mean you're writing, right. you know, for being the ten say tender age of what twenty twenty six, the tender yeah. age of twenty six. Like you're ahead of the game. You're writing pretty mm-hmm. solid. You know, because I think the trick is, especially in this genre, mm-hmm. is you want to write songs that it's, are kind of timeless. Well,
1: it's all about writing a great song, which they, is why I love this genre. Right. But that's yeah. what I
0: mean. Like, you can apply yeah, that song yeah. to any time.
1: Yes. In yes, history. Yes, you know, yeah. the,
0: the faces and names and technology exactly. might change. Yep. But that's the hallmark of a good song. Exactly. It could be any time. It's a universal human thing.
2: Exactly. And so
0: you've, you've got that already. Well, so you. if you've got that... The rest is just yeah. Know. The rest, the rest is, is easy. Marketing
1: stuff. Easy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is, and I think um, for me as an artist, I think that it, it has you know what what makes the difference between me just writing songs for other people and me going out and singing them myself why would i do one or the other and for me it's because i if i i mean i don't make a scillion dollars a year doing this i don't know really many people that do you know and so i could get a job doing pretty much anything else making as much money as i am probably not working as hard as i am so at some point you have to ask yourself what what is what am I bringing to the table? What am I give, What am I giving myself out of this? Because you know it's a not an easy job. I mean, it really, really is not. And um, you sacrifice yeah pretty much everything for this job. And um, and
0: you've got a son.
1: Exactly, I have a son, and and I don't. You know, when you tour two hundred dates out of the year you don't have roots. You, don't, you can't have friends. You can't have right. a, a significant other. You can't have anything except for the road, you know, and and the time that I'm home, I get to see my son. And so, um, so, you know, it is really sacrificing your whole life. And so at some point, you have to ask yourself, what am I, am I doing something of substance that's really worth what I'm putting into this because I'm giving up my whole life for this, you know? Right. And that is is um, that is what I brought, you know, it brought into this is that I'm going to write songs that are meaningful, you know, because otherwise, why would I do this? You know, I'm not making a lot of money. I'm not, Are you, you know.
0: full-time music? Mm-hmm. I mean, so, yeah. so all your, regardless of how much it is, and I don't, I don't need a number at yeah. all. not curious about that. But uh, but but all whatever income you have yes. is as a result it's of all making music. music. Yes, and that's yeah. a beautiful thing. Yeah.
1: Well, and I actually co own a management company as well. So, okay. but kinda, that's still music. Yeah. No. No. Yeah. Yeah. I've done a little bit of everything. Um, even being as young as I have, as I am, I have you know done quite a few different things, and it's all music related. And so I think part of it is is learning how to kind of change as you get older, you know, and do things here and there. But for me right now, how I'm making my entire living is off of writing songs. It's
0: a beautiful thing. It is
1: a beautiful thing. How many people
0: would kill for that kind of job? I know. And
1: I have to remind myself that every single day that I'm griping and moaning, you know, about having to do something, you know, having to drive 10 hours or having to drag my crap onto a plane. And, you know, I have to remind myself and humble myself and say, there are so many people that would take my place so fast and yeah. will, you know, will take yeah. my place so fast if I don't, you know, make sure that I'm always staying humble and always yeah. enjoying what I'm doing.
0: And you said the word humble there a couple times, I think. And that's the funny thing about the music business is that I'm sure even by your age, you know, I know people who are 10 times as talented as I will ever be and I've gone 10 times farther than exactly. they ever will.
1: Exactly, And so yes. there's this
0: weird thing about the music business that I mean, is... all of life is like that to a certain extent, but in the music business, it's especially cruel.
1: It is especially cruel. I feel like there's a handful of reasons why that happens, and, and some of them are a lot more shallow and unfair than others. And the other Portion of them, I don't feel as bad because I see it in Nashville all the time. I always call it stepping over the dead bodies because that's what you have to do a lot of is stepping over people who are uh, drug addicts or alcoholics or don't want to wake up before noon right. or have zero concept of treating this like a job, right. um, and that those people. Most of the people that I see that don't make it are the people that do not treat this like a job, yeah. and they don't work. They they sit around and they write songs and they go, "Well, somebody will come and knock on my door and and yeah. ask to record that." You know, if you really work hard, you can find a job in the music industry. I really believe that. I believe it because I see it happen so often to people that it's like, "Well, the reason why he was successful is because he worked his butt off," you yeah. know, and I and that's that's um. That's uplifting to me, but there are, you know, there are certainly people that I see get super famous, and I'm like, you know, how does that happen? They're not writing great songs, or they're not, you know, it's all hype, you know? Well, it's kind
0: of rude to say this. It's kind of, because, but I'm going to go on and limb and just, for the sake of our conversation, I'm (laughs) just going to go with it. Like, I've seen people who suck. Yeah. You know, who are... Flying around in their own jets. Oh,
1: no, I don't know. You see it all the time.
0: And, you know, again, this is not just music, but we're talking about music, so I'm going to go with that. Like, and I see people who are selling out tours Mm -hmm. who suck.
1: They suck. And
0: I, you know, everybody wants to be all hunky dory about it and think, well, music is all subjective. And it is to a point. But there is good music and bad music, just like there is a good muffler for your car Mm -hmm. and a bad muffler for your car. It is ultimately, in some regards, a product.
1: It is, And it
0: can be built well, Mm -hmm. or it can be built shoddily. Yes. You know, and those of us who spend our whole lives... Working on the muffler and the motor rather than the paint. Right. Get frustrated when we see people people who are all paint. Yeah, yeah. You know. Anyway, so I I love. Well, yeah,
1: I think um, I think all of that, yeah, and that's a whole different conversation. But I think you know, which I have after I've had a couple drinks, I will openly tell anybody what I think about any of that. But you know, it's, it's uh, for me, I think it is all about uh, just trying to do, trying to lay the groundwork. Um, and I see a lot of people that, you know, they, they put a lot of money and they put a lot of time into a record that is not good. And, and it's hard to tell them that record is not good. That's your first problem is that you've got to write, even if it takes you 20 years, spend 20 years writing the greatest record you can write and then spend your time and money. Don't just go out and spin your wheels. And, and, um, yeah, I think, I think that that's all, um, that's all really interesting and, and is a totally different you know, kind of aspect that I think a lot of people who are not in the music industry don't ever think about. Yeah. It's, like, it's, it's like people who are in the food industry. You know, they know exactly what's going into yeah. what we're eating, but we just eat it, and we're like, this is good, or you know, yeah. um, whatever. So it, I think it just depends on, on the consumer. You
2: know, yeah. uh, the ed-
0: educated consumer. I, I always exactly. use the drywall analogy, which is that until you've hung drywall you never even think about the walls in a house. No. Once I'm... you've hung one sheet of drywall you're like, in your life, or God forbid, is... you know, or you've done it for 10 years or yes. five years, or done a house or whatever, like you walk into any house or restaurant or building, and like look around, and you look at the walls, and you look at the job they did with the mud, and you're like, oh, that guy sucked. Yes. Or that guy was really good at that. You can tell that they knew what they well, were I doing. Think... And it's like that for cars and music and laying carpet and it any is. pursuit. It well, can be done poorly. It can be done well.
1: With the music industry is that so you work just as hard being someone who lays drywall. You may make the same amount of money, but but um, the difference is is that in the music industry, it's. It, I find myself. I laugh at myself sometimes on stage about this. I'll kind of giggle that you expect people to applaud you all the time. And it's like no other job. would you walk in and and if you do a, a even a terrible job, you like expect people to be like, "Oh my God, you are just oh." That was the greatest, oh, you are God's gift to earth, you know? And and that, it just is almost funny to me sometimes because I didn't start out wanting to be an artist, and this whole process has been very strange to me, you know, that how people treat you and how, you know, people are praising you all the time, and I'm thinking... I could be making about the same amount of money doing anything, and they would not. I yeah. mean, doctors who are curing cancer, they don't get applause, you know, and I'm walking out singing a song, and people are getting on their feet and applauding, you know and it's just interesting. The whole thing is very interesting to me to see how people react to yeah. songs, you know, and music. So and Hannah,
0: when you find that doctor who has cured cancer, let me know where he is. Yeah. Because I <laughs> well, really, really, really want to know. When
1: I say that, I mean people I who are know. doing things that are really changing people's lives. Totally. You know, I saving their lives. And, and, and I'm out there singing songs about... Yeah. You know, getting drunk or whatever. Right. You yeah. know? So I'm the like,
0: seedy underbelly of <laughs> the our society is
1: the low life songs, and people are getting on their feet and applauding yeah. for it. So. so let's
0: let's play some more music. Yeah, here Yeah. Because yeah. we have got so much to talk yeah, about, yeah, yeah. and we've already we've gone eaten up a lot of our time already. But we want to yep. get into some music here. So what's this next tune going to be?
1: Yep. This is going to be some ghost. Um. And I I've brought my friend in Jason Charles Miller, who is just welcome, Jason. Yep. Just an outrageous. Uh, musician in and of his, you'll have to have him on the show just to talk to him about everything he's done. But we, he came to Nashville. We wrote, uh, got together and did a co-write, which is basically like a blind date. You know, you go and sit and try to get to know somebody. And we found very quickly that we uh, both were into murder. And so so we wrote a murder song and, uh, and I love this song. So All
0: right. Real human emotions and death (laughs) (laughs) with Hannah Aldridge on Independence Day.
2: Sometimes the truth is like a rattlesnake. It's best left alone That's what the sheriff said when the headline read Judge Johnson's son was gone I was at the church helping Bobby with the sermon On the night he disappeared Well, anybody ask anybody That's what you're gonna hear some hands don't come clean, some truths don't come out. Some, some bones are bones buried so deep. so deep, some ghosts don't make a sound. Well, I was two weeks from taking his name when he showed up late one night. The bottom himself on his breath and, i'm are gonna get it look in his eye. Put his hand around my neck, but he never said a word. And I remember grabbing his 38, and then everything's things blur. Some hands don't come clean, some truths don't come out, some bones are buried so deep, some ghosts don't make a sad. Nails and I can't tell you where the body wound up, but I know his soul's in hell And there wasn't a sliver of fear on his face It's my Bobby he knew That I trust boys Daddy ain't the judge he's got a hand too Some hands don't come clean Some truths don't come out some bones are buried so deep, some ghosts don't make us. Some hands don't clean, some truths never get out. Some bones are buried so deep, some ghosts don't make us.
0: Hannah Aldridge here on Independence Day joined with her wingman, Jason Charles Miller, who's a songwriter. You'll be hearing more about on Independence Day and hopefully elsewhere as well. Murder ballads, man, that's such a big deal. It is. such a rich tradition in the songwriting world. It is. I love it. Songwriting world. Mm -hmm. Because I figure there's, there's only a few ultimate human experiences that we all share. Right. And they are, help me out, birth, death and
1: sin (laughs) taxes
0: right that's the joke yeah Uh, right breathing pooping yeah right like
1: eating yeah eating
0: probably getting married probably maybe having kids but there's like but but even that we're starting to get away from that core yeah right 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 so what you know what's the most ultimate thing you could ever sing about really is birth and death
1: right yeah
0: and in in the areas in the areas just around those because that's the scary stuff
1: right well that's why I was joking about sin is that you know I mean that's what I basically make a, a living off of is writing songs about the the the, the scoundrel, you know, yeah. and um, and I like to write these kind of songs because I grew up Church of Christ, and uh, you know, I really I really like to poke around at that other side to things. <laughs> I've always been the person that's like, yeah, but what if you are the on the other side of that, you know? Right. A lot of this stuff is written from a character standpoint. A lot of it is not third a, person. Yeah. Well, I mean, but I sing it as myself. But it's like I, I'm I'm you know this is. You know, I would never murder. I've never shot a gun in my life. I would never murder somebody. But it's interesting to me to get in that headspace and kind of write from that perspective. Artistic
0: license is such a fascinating thing. It it really is. Because, you know, you look at guys who are consummate or girls. I keep saying guys in the royal sense.
1: No, 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 no. I got you. I got you.
0: Like, uh, you know, people I revere. Steve Earle, Tom Waits are two examples that come to mind you know, they've lived those things to a certain extent. Mm, yeah, Steve Earl was yeah. a junkie and was busted for having a pistol and spent some time in the big house. Right, right. He wasn't in jail for 50 years. He yeah, wasn't right. in jail for 30 years. I'm not even sure he was in jail for a year.
1: Yeah, right. You
0: know, but he did a little time. Yeah. So he knows, right? Yeah, yes. But there are other yeah. songwriters who write from that perspective who've never been to jail. Yeah, But yeah. It's, it's, you know, so where, you know, where do you draw that line between how far do you have to go to I don't know.
1: know? I know. I- Actually, the next record that I've started writing, I've, I've had that thought in my, my head is like, you know, where do you go next after you've written a song about Death Row, which I'll play here in just a second. And you've written, you know, murder songs and all this. And I think I think uh, my thought about it is the next time around and maybe every time I'm going to. Push a little further and see how far you can actually take it as a woman, because which that's right. totally different. I could sing a Steve Earle song and people's jaws would drop, but Steve Earle can sing it and it's fine. And that's what I love about being a woman in the music industry and singing about murdering somebody. It's a t- it's a totally different thing. I mean, Jason even when he sings "Some Ghost." People are like, oh, yeah. When I sing it, people are like, whoa, this is crazy. This girl's singing about murder. It's just different. Girls are supposed to be well-behaved. And so um, I think where you draw the line depends on, first of all, if you're male or female. And I think if you're male, there is no line. You can say whatever you want. If you're female – then you have this whole element of it being go- going too far, which I intend to find out exactly where that line is because yeah. I'm gonna the next record that I'm I'm working on it it definitely pushes even harder on those boundaries to say what right. can you say, and that's you the know? stuff that
0: resonates the stuff that's real mm-hmm. again where we talked before like birth death and the area immediately surround like those mm-hmm. neighborhoods right mm-hmm. that's where the yeah. really scary stuff well, is. well there's
1: sex too which you know yeah. that's the other Well, that's, that's part the of other, life that's yeah, the that's, that's the first that's half that's the other thing too there's birth. Sex and death. And everything kind of points to all of those to those three things, you know, and for me, i I've w- in writing this next record, I've actually started writing songs that make me uncomfortable to sing yeah. because it pushes my boundaries too, as to what what will people. Fine to be too real. What do they not want to hear anymore? Yeah. You know, and um, so I think you know. I think that is a really fun topic to talk about. And yeah. and and actually, um, the next song I'm going to play is is a song called Parchman, which um, was written about uh, a, a Parchman, Mississippi, which is a women's prison. There's there's a women's prison called Parchman down there, and uh, there was a lady on death row. Um, that uh killed her husband um, because he was beating her, and um so I decided to write a song from that lady 's standpoint. I wrote it with two other people in fact and and we we sat and we really thought, what would this lady feel? you know what would she think about you know in writing a song and so that 's kind of where we went with this one it's it's uh you know. It's from the, the low-life, quote-unquote, standpoint, yeah. but it's a real-life standpoint. And I cannot tell you how many women I've had come up to me after shows with tears in their eyes and say, I really love that song. And I'm like, "I, you know, it's just interesting to me. I, I didn't ever think about that when I wrote it. Yeah. But there have been so many people that relate to this. And, and it seems like a low-life standpoint, but right. how many women are in that position, you it's, know? You know,
0: it's funny you should bring that up because it's such a big, finally... Finally, it's becoming a touchstone in our society. Yes. Like abuse is something that has gone on since there were two people yeah, on the planet. Exactly. And, and it, it goes both ways, but n- most of it is no, male yeah. and female violence. Right. Almost right. all of it, mm-hmm. right? They're more powerful, generally mm-hmm. larger, more muscular of mm-hmm. the genders. Mm-hmm. And in, in our society, you know, with uh, the violence in the NFL, violence mm-hmm. in professional sports is finally becoming something that's coming out of the darkness. Yeah. And I keep thinking, good God. This has been happening for yeah, so like, this long. Like, the dark Ages? Yeah, and it's just I mean, now becoming a thing. Like, yeah, you, now you're you, realizing
1: you shouldn't beat somebody. You didn't know
0: that yeah. this was happening. Mm-hmm. You didn't know it, it wasn't okay to talk about this until yeah. now. Yeah, it's yeah. it's shocking. To, that's what's shocking to me. The abuse is not shocking to me in any way, it, which is sad.
2: It
1: is. It's the shocking. fact that it's okay
0: to talk about it just now. It shocking. is
1: shocking, and it's shocking to play this song and to look. You can tell. I can tell when I play yeah, the song. I, I can look can. around in the audience and say. That couple right there.
2: Yeah. I can
1: tell because the guy feels so uncomfortable while I'm playing it, and the woman will come up to me afterwards and just, you know, you can just tell when yeah. you talk to them. They won't say it to you. They'll, I never am told unless the person is out of the relationship. I'm never told, right. like, my husband is beating me, but they'll yeah. come up to me. With tears in their eyes and say, "Is that song on on this record?" you know and Hannah and,
0: you know thank you for having the courage to no, to address I, this because i mean here 's the thing i 'm a male i 'm not abusive i 'm not violent, but it 's not a woman problem, and it 's not a male problem it's it's, a it 's a human problem. it is a human
1: problem it 'd be like two women guys. suffer it." More than men, it's, but. it's kind of like imagine that you've got a buddy that you're that you're living with, you're best friends with him, Let's just say that, okay, which is much more than that. And he beats you every day, and you're supposed to sit there in the corner and say, okay, that's fine. You no, know, that's just that's yeah. unacceptable. I am such a hard headed woman, though. I'm like, yeah. I dare you, you know. But yeah. I think when you're in that position, it doesn't work that way. I don't think it. I don't think it works that way. I think it's it's just a totally different. Uh, yeah things so no I, i'm glad that i i'm so pleased that i was able to write a song that that you know can help people you know because yeah. that's that that goes back to that whole thing of why am i sacrificing my whole life for this and yeah that that song right there ended up being one that has really made me feel like well if i die today that song made yeah. an impact on some people, you know? Yeah, so,
0: yeah. so let's hear the second yeah, yeah, half. Yeah. Let's hear the second half of the murder twofer.
1: Yep, yep. So here's the, here's what happens after some ghost. <laughs>
0: All right. Hannah Aldridge, Independence Day with the song Parchment.
2: Some things have to end Somehow, some way I took the law in my own hands That's what I had to do When I heard those hinges moan I never felt so free For the first time I knew where i be I've got everything I need a bed and cigarettes that's enough I guess oh parchment is my home everyone I've ever known has come and gone before me oh to feel that needle burn when they not me I'll just stay here till they come to walk me down when they ask me my last words I'll say I did my best with the cards I was dealt. no gone before me, oh, I'm just waiting on my turn to feel that needle burn when they send me on. Fifteen years, and it won't be long until heaven finds me here. And oh, parchment is my home. I might have killed that man, but I'm not guilty, no.
0: is joe armstrong we're listening to independence day we come to you every wednesday night seven o'clock pacific time drop by indepday.com, and please visit us on itunes as well that's indeptday.com slash iTunes. There's a much more convoluted link that Apple gave me, but it's impossible to remember. It's got a bunch of gibberish and numbers and stuff. So just go to indepdaycom slash iTunes. So many great artists there. I am humbled to have worked with any, every, every single one of them. And Hannah, thank you so much yes, for coming on and doing it.
2: Thank it's, you
1: for having it's me. It's
0: fascinating talking to you. And it's yes. also fascinating on a personal level because we have, although I'm not from northern Alabama mm-hmm. exactly, I was born there and I have lots of roots there. So when I heard you talking the other night, when I met you it's the second time in my life where I, I picked out exactly where you were from, Yeah. and it, this happened a second time in my life purely based on the way someone was yeah. talking. Because people who aren't from the South don't realize there are about ten thousand different are, Southern accents, yeah,
1: yeah, and they're are. very
0: specific to very specific regions. So I knew you were from North Alabama as soon as yeah. I heard you talk.
1: Yeah, there, there is, there is a, there is an accent that pe- it seems like for me more than people from Tennessee. People like pick out that wow, you're from the South, and yeah. I'm like, uh <laughs> I think yeah. it's a very Southern draw. I mean, even my grandparents they said Decatur
2: yeah. Decatur Alabama not yeah. Decatur you know yeah, and yeah. and
1: it, it it's very much the like southern you know bell yeah. kind of of thing down there that a lot of people still talk like that and the funny
0: it's not just the accents too it's the words It's the,
1: the words and there phrases there are certain terms yeah.
0: because like i love when i go home you know i used to listen to both my grandparents and all my elderly southern right. relatives but i get so many song ideas from right, them because yeah. i and it's different for me because i'm not i'm kind of you know, I know the area but because it's not my normal vernacular speech, those things jump out at me. Mm-hmm. And they, they may not mm-hmm. even jump out at you the yeah. way they jump out no, at no, me. No, because like mean, yeah. I know the area, I know these people, I know how they talk, but every now and again, like my grandmother said a thousand wonders. At one point, I was like, a thousand wonders. My God, that's such a great line. Yes. And I wrote, I put it into a song as soon as I possibly could. You know, she said another, she said a million of these things. Mm -hmm. I love to just hang out with my relatives down there because I love them. That's cool. But I'm just trying to get song ideas. Yeah, right, 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 right. right. Yes, absolutely. Uh, So speaking of family, I want to talk about, we've got about enough time for like another question or two. You got one more song then you'll be out of here. Uh, Talk to me. Your father was somewhat famous, Mm -hmm. not like... You know, uh, yeah, uh, well, Randy Travis, famous, right? Or you know, but he's, he's a famous guy in Nashville, and you've also got a son. Talk to me about the relationship you have with these two important guys in your life. You must have learned music stuff from your dad. Was your dad when you started doing songwriting because it wasn't your initial path? Was he like, oh my god, don't do that? Yeah. Or was he like very supportive? No, no, about no. He it? was
1: like, oh my god, don't do that. Yeah, no, he 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 has not been incredibly supportive of the whole thing. Which do you have a
0: good relationship with your dad.
1: It's yeah, I mean uh yeah we we in we, as much
0: as any daughter does yeah,
1: yeah, exactly we t- we try not to uh we try not to talk about music too much because okay. we come from very different eras, and um, and I think very early on, my dad said, I am not gonna try to get my hands in the middle of that because she needs to do that, however she wants to do it, yeah, and um I, you know, I think that that's been best because we're both very headstrong, and I think um. What I'm trying to do is very different than what he does. And actually his career is interesting because he has been kind of the man behind the curtain to yeah. a lot of big, massive songs. And most people don't even realize that Travis Tritt that didn't write that song, you know, or um uh Ricky Van Shelton didn't write that song. You know, whoever whoever it was that they knew the big hit, or Reba McIntyre, Tim McGraw there are many people out there that do not realize that those artists do not even write a lot of them. You know, now country musicians kind of write. I mean, they are in the room a lot of the time. Some of them can write really well. Some of them not so much. It is
0: ebbed and flowed in the industry at large like decade by decade. Like up until the Beatles, you know, people weren't Yeah, You know, I guess Chuck Berry wrote his songs and Bo Diddley wrote his songs, but they were just stealing. I mean, everybody steals, but But then you've got a situation where they had like the Brill Building, Mm -hmm. where it was song pluggers in New York and Mm -hmm. people who went to a room with a piano, two guys, a lyricist and a pianist, Mm -hmm. and they would sit and crank out songs all day long. The thing about Nashville is that it was always that way. But I don't think the fans of all the places, they they have no earthly idea. There
1: was a guy that I was talking to the other day. That was a musician. It was a sound guy that told me that he went to go see uh, the guy who wrote, I swear in concert. And I said, No, you didn't, because that guy used to be my publisher, and he lives down in Muscle Shoals. And I promise you, you didn't go to see him in concert. You know, no, he wrote it. John Michael Montgomery wrote that. Um, No, sir, he did not write that song. I promise you, because I've seen the guy's house that wrote that song. I promise you, he didn't write that song, and and people don't realize that that like there are all these people that make and in, in the same way that I know nothing about the movie industry. So like I, I'm the same way. I'm just as ignorant as can be about that kind of stuff. So there are people that make a lot of money on things that people don't realize even exist. Right. And and songwriting is one of them, which is really unfortunate because you have all these songs that have been written um, by other people, but this artist gets all the money and all the um Kind of fame for it, and and a lot of times they're they're not you know Britney Spears for example. Right. Let's use that person. She's not a songwriter, but she's the one that I mean I couldn't I couldn't tell you if you held a gun to my head who wrote "Hit Me, Baby, One More Time." I have no idea who that is, you know. So there, there's kind of that weird thing, and that's who, how my dad has made his whole living is he writes these songs which are frankly incredible. I mean I have his entire catalog on my iPad and I I flipped through and listened to it and I'm like that song is so good and it's never even been cut by anybody yeah. you know and and I think it for me going back to your question growing up with that i think it gave me a standard that most people don't ever start with right so when you have somebody that has gold records in their basement you say that's how good it has to be that's how good that song has to be and especially for someone like my dad who's not doing he doesn't write bro country and make a million dollar Yeah off which of is it. the
0: the new He I writes mean, songs that it's are It's gotten so bad.
1: It has and it and was my, always
0: bad but now it's like, no, it's, it's, like it's reached it's like a like critical so bad. mass like point. it's
1: got like it's so bad and and I, I, that's the thing that genuinely, regardless of any, regardless of b- him being my dad, I listen to his songs and I'm like, that is an incredible song. And that's how he's made his living is he's written incredible songs. And so for me, that's kind of been my standard is that I have to write incredible songs because I'm not good at writing truck songs. I can't write truck songs, so I won't have a living doing that. Um, Which so, is sad
0: Because there's more money In truck songs Than there, there are, are Writing murder ballads
1: There are there are, There is There's a lot of money In that um, But again It goes back to that Whole thing I was talking About earlier Is do I want to sacrifice My life for truck songs Probably not You know I yeah. prob- Probably not Not me Or the some chance yeah. Because
0: that's the thing At that point It becomes a chance It does Like is yeah. it Are you willing to sacrifice It for the chance At the big money mm-hmm. Or are you in it Because you love it and Exactly again, It goes back Let's use that other analogy Like you're in it For the motor Exactly. And not the pain, exactly. you know, and I am too. That's exactly. that's I try to get people on this show for that very reason. Exactly, the people who yeah. are making music because it is very compartmentalized, and people don't realize like there are people. You know, there are some people who can kind of straddle that line. Mm-hmm. Like for me, uh, John Hyatt, John Prine, the right, Johns right, right. are like yeah, the yeah. two guys. And the funny thing is, can neither, you know, John Hyatt's got this crazy voice. Like, the yeah. first, I remember the first time hearing him when I was a teenager, I thought, that's a black guy.
2: Yeah. <laughs> you know,
0: because he's got that crazy, throaty, kind of yeah, growly right, type right. thing, and he writes these amazing songs, but he's never had the big, giant, shiny career he's made a living and he's done well yeah. for himself. I mean when Eric Clapton and BB King put the title track of their of the title track of their record is one of your songs. Right. You're doing okay. Right. He's yeah, doing fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he's not doing uh Dirk's Bentley fine.
1: Right. He's yeah, not yeah, doing yeah,
0: yeah. uh god there's, there's so many names I can't even think well, of those guys. You
1: know what's incredible? I'm going to Dirk's Bentley, I'm glad you brought that up because um, I may like just make half the listeners turn off right now when I say this, but if you're a mainstream country uh, person, don't listen to what I'm about to say. But the guy who wrote Riser, Dirks Bentley's title track off his last record, I had never heard Dirks' version of that. And at the time, that song had never been cut. His name is Travis Meadows. Listen to Travis Meadows' version of Riser. I heard that song and I just almost fell out of my chair. I was like, that's the greatest song I've ever heard. It's such an amazing song. And finally, I kind of like searched around. I was like, I need to hear you know Dirk's version of it. And again, I nearly fell out of my chair because I'm like, that song used to be really good, and then Dirk's really cut it. And I mean, and that's like, man, if you can find a version of Travis Meadows' version of "Riser," you will be like your brain will explode how good this song is. And there are know? a lot
0: of songs like that. Yeah, and a yeah. lot of people, you know, in Nashville especially, who, you know, that's the funny thing, you know, rock and roll, country, call it what you want. It's a visual medium. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I always joke, oh, you got a face for radio, son. Like,
1: mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs>
0: it's become so visual yeah, you know, in the post-MTV is. world yeah. that if you're not a looker in some regard, like mm-hmm. I always use Tom Petty as the example, right? Right. He's not Bud Ugly, but he's not what I would call an attractive man. Yeah, right, man. right, right. God right. bless him. I love the man, Would practically take. A bullet for him, right? Um, But would he be as successful now uh, if he was new and 20? Yeah. As he was coming, I up would in the say 70s. Gillian
1: Welch and Dave Rawlings are a good example of yeah. that, too. Yeah, good I would example. say they're the, they're the same. I, you know, let's say Gillian Welch looked like Miranda Lambert, that'd yeah. probably be a different thing, you know. Yeah, and so, uh, yeah, no, that's that's totally true. But the beauty of the market that I'm in is that it doesn't matter for the most part yeah. what you look like. Gillian Welch can still have a career, yeah. it doesn't matter, yeah. you know, if she has huge fake boobs, you know. So, yeah. Well, that's um, the
0: Allison Moore thing, mm-hmm. like where it's like, "My God, that girl's beautiful." Oh, she writes pretty good too.
1: Exactly. Whoa, yeah.
0: that nobody knows so what to do if, with. That.
1: If you can have all those things, that's great. But you don't have to, you yeah. know. If you can find, if you can write really great songs, I mean. But yeah. Anyway, so grow, growing up with my dad being being a musician, that that was very daunting, and still is, to be yeah. honest, because there's a lot of people that know me as Walt Aldridge's daughter, and I yeah, kind of always joked when I first came onto the scene. Every single article that was written about me in some way was Walt Aldridge's daughter, Hannah. Hannah Walt Aldridge's daughter. It was like my name wasn't even Hannah Aldridge anymore, yeah. is Hannah Walt Aldridge's daughter. Yeah. And and it was like at some point I had to kind of bust through that whole thing and say I'm a good writer. I'm not. Yeah. My dad's not helping me. You know. And and um, and then, and and even more frustrating than that is like I said he's not. He doesn't. He and I talk, you know, and I'll be like, yeah, I'm out in LA touring. Oh, cool. That's great. Anyway, so yeah. when, you know, it's like he doesn't book my shows, he doesn't have anything to do with what I'm doing. Yeah. So um, and we keep it that way on purpose because it just gets too hairy if we yeah. try to be in Well business. you that's the thing.
0: You've got the name, which is less, it's an asset as well as a liability. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because on this very program I've interviewed uh, Adam Cohen, who's Leonard right. Cohen's son. Mm-hmm. Same mm-hmm. exact mm-hmm. thing. I've interviewed Colin Gilmore, who's Jimmy sure. Dale Gilmore's son. Yes. And these yes. are great yes. guys and they're artists on their own right and they're 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 valid and mm-hmm. they're good. And it's the same thing for them. It's an asset and a liability. Yes, it the is. name might open the door, but once the door is open, they might get their nose slammed in the door yes. like, Get their fingers slammed in it because for god only knows. It's yeah. a cruel business. It is. Anyway, it um that's yeah. the second half of that question, and well, this is the last thing I'll ask sure. before the last song, is you've got a son.
1: I do, yeah, yeah. And yeah, tell yeah.
0: me how do you manage going out on the road um, when you've got this little person who I, like you are the mom? I like, know. That's I get like the asked alpha this and the omega.
1: So much about and I get asked um by pe- every single show that I play, like it's become a joke at this point. Yeah. Every single show I play, people come up to me and say, where is your son? Like, I've left him in the car. Right, uh, he's, right. he's outside, you know? I mean, he's with his dad. He's in his crate. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, <laughs> he's in his crate. Yeah, he's fine. No, he's with his dad, and and I actually have a great situation with that, and and his dad is amazing. He's a great dad, and he's got a great stepmom and and a stepbrother. And so I've got a wonderful situation, but it's almost insulting to me that people, like, I'm his mother. What do you think? I'm just leaving him out in the car, you know? But uh, again, being a woman, that's one of those things. Like, a man, nobody would even ask that. He'd be like, oh well, he's well, with his I would. Mom.
0: I've asked that of everybody when they've got kids. It's fascinating you, you to me. You ask them. Totally. You would ask a guy. See, there's I don't a,
1: think most people would. I there's don't. a
0: band I had on the show called Big Harp. Right. They have two kids and they tour with the children.
1: Yeah. Because I find that. See if wildly I was old enough, I would do that. I, I if I was if he was old enough, I would do that. I would bring him. Yeah. But at the same time, I grew up this way. So it doesn't even yeah. seem odd to me. Like my dad was gone all the time and still is. He's yeah. all over the place. I stayed with my mom. And and yeah. I thought it was so cool because I got to go and do all kinds of cool stuff and meet all kinds of cool people. And um, you know, my parents were gone all the time just traveling, not yeah. even working, and I got all kinds of cool presents and stuff. But that was the way I grew up from day one. And Jackson certainly is at the age where he feels that I'm gone. He he feels that, um... And uh, and that's part of the sacrifice you were talking about. Part of about. the sacrifice. Actually, I had a big conversation with him right before I left, and he said, "I understand that you have to go and work, but I wish that I got to see you more this week." You know. Yeah. And he understands that, but also we have such a great situation that when I come home, I'll have him more time, and yeah. you know, I get to bring him back cool presents and stuff. And it doesn't make up for it, but at the same time, when he gets older, he will understand what I was doing right now. It's really hard to explain to a seven year old why I have to go and be on a radio show. He doesn't understand that, you know, or play a show or whatever, you know, so he will understand as he gets older, but it certainly is difficult. It's very, very difficult. And I feel guilty in a lot of ways, which is a terrible way to feel Mm. about it. But I, I certainly have a level of guilt of like, maybe I should be at home and be a nurse or be a, you know, work in an office or whatever so that I can spend more time with Jack. But But at the same time, um, I think that would be a waste, you know? Well, not only that,
0: it's the most important thing, as long as you're not abandoning the child, right? right? right, The most important thing you can ever be to him is yourself.
1: Exactly, yeah. Whatever,
0: I mean, unless you're a complete jerk. But obviously you're not, so that's a a moot point. But like but you need to be yourself because he's gonna take that cue from you right? because he needs to be genuine about the way he's gonna choose because eventually it hurts his choices exactly. the way he chooses to live his life right, is right, based right. on the way you've chosen to live yours. well life.
1: and I think that you know like I said it, as he gets older I won't have to explain to him how hard it was yeah. to do this he's gonna know looking back on it like wow my mom toured and I saw her how did that yeah. happen you know, you know? Yeah. and it will never come down to him when he's 20 it'll never go well he, she was here let's see a hundred days this yeah. year and you know it, it's a big picture I could never tell you how much my dad was gone I just know he was gone a lot Yeah. and it didn't impact me in a negative way at all that he was gone a lot I thought it was great I thought it was cool and as I got older I thought it was a lot cooler but, um, but I think as he kind of grows up he will understand why I was doing this stuff and why I had to go and tour. He doesn't understand what a tour even is, and hopefully he'll be old enough soon that I can take him during the summers yeah. on them, and so that he can see what I'm doing. He yeah. would, you know. But it's definitely really hard. It's really hard, and it's given me a lot of um, good material to yeah, write about because it's it really. We've I had him at nineteen, so mm-hmm. I, we've really grown up together. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. I'm twenty six and he's seven. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, we've done a lot of growing up together and uh, he's taught me more than I could have ever taught him. I feel like, you know, I mean, so that's kind of, uh, that's a question that I get asked a lot by people like, where is, where is Jackson? What does he do when you're gone? I'm like, I, I yeah. mean, he's with his other parents. Well, to be well, to be clear,
2: I'm not
0: asking <laughs> oh, it because no, no, I no, think no, there's no. any I'm not kind of uh, that you are. I'm there's just, no dereliction of duty implied. it's merely not. it's more a function for me. I mean, I know you love the bejesus out of your kid, right? So yeah. you know, how do you manage yes, that fact yeah. for you well, and technology
1: for him. is a wonderful thing. Yeah. I can face like when I leave here, I'll FaceTime him, okay? That's cool, and I can show him like, hey, look, here, here's the Hollywood sign or whatever. See, yeah. I didn't get to do that with my dad. Yeah, I yeah, mean, he didn't, I guess, even really have a cell phone. You know, I mean, does he have a phone? Who, Jack? He has my old iPhone. So, yeah, kind of, which is weird, you know, but his, but his uses his dad's and stuff. But yeah, it's, it's hard, but technology has made it a lot easier than it would have been, you know, and I have my tour schedule set in a way that's very unique. I have it where I have my son week on, week off, and I have my tour schedule set in a way where I'm never really gone more than about 10 days on the most on most which is tours. probably
0: beneficial for your own sanity as well
1: <sighs> yes I don't ever leave for six months you yeah. know what I mean so I, the the longest that I've ever done is three weeks like when I yeah. go overseas I'll do three weeks or a month over there just because it's so expensive to get over there
2: Yeah.
1: and man by the time that that tour is over I'm racing to the plains <laughs> yeah
0: so, you know, we, we could talk, like, all day, man. Oh, I love I talking yeah, to you. Yeah, we have so certainly. many things we yeah. could talk about. We've got enough time for about one more tune. What's this last yeah, tune Yeah, be?
1: this one's called Lie Like You Love Me, and this is the, the next single off the record. Um, I'm about to do a music video for this, and it's going to be dark and, and uh, creepy, just like everything else. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but this particular song was one that people really have enjoyed talking about and picking apart as I released the record. Yeah. People really enjoyed Talking about this song. So. All
0: right. So, Hannah Aldridge with another great song on Independence Day.
2: I miss you like more fame, straight to my vein. No, I shouldn't be here, but I'm here anyway. And I swear I'll be gone when the sun hits your eyes. But if you don't mind. I like you to love me tonight. I know you don't need me the way I need you. Just for my sake, we say that you do. Well, I don't need roses, hell, I don't need wine Well, all that I need is you to lie like you love me You're better without me How worse without you just for old times my laughs old town
0: so very very happy to bring you Hannah Aldridge I wish you would check out her music you can drop by Hannah Dash Aldridge. Would you say hyphen or dash? What do you dash say? Hannah I would dash. Hannah Dash. Really, I
1: think if you put in hannahaldridge.com, it comes up.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Hannah dash Aldridge.com. Facebook.com slash Hannah Aldridge Music. Twitter, so you can follow her at Hannah C. Aldridge. And Instagram is the same. Instagram.com slash Hannah C. Aldridge. Got a whole mess of shows coming up here. You're going to yes, be around yes, yes. the States. You're going to be overseas eventually. Yeah, you know, yeah. It looks like towards early next year. Yep. Uh, tomorrow night in Coleman, Alabama, yep. which is almost like an inside joke for me. It It is, yeah. I mean, I I can't tell you how many times. I don't know that
1: I've ever played Coleman, Alabama, but you know what? I'm going to play Coleman, Alabama.
0: Well, I was just thinking, like, I, I mean... I didn't know, I said this before, I didn't know there was a place to play in Coleman, yeah, there, Alabama. Yeah, good is, for them. Apparently. That's great.
1: I'm, I'm going to find out all about it. So, yeah. So, no. tomorrow
0: night, uh, with Jordan Dean, uh, mm-hmm. is, is he on that show, too, in, in uh, Coleman, I
1: think he's, I think he's on the, that show, yeah. I'll be honest. I'm not okay. really sure. But, yeah, he, he might be. He's another one of my Muscle Shoals buddies, so he kind of tromps around with me
2: sometimes. Okay, and then I'm
0: going to do my best to say the rest of these cities as if I actually had a southern accent myself. Okay, Because you're going to be in Huntsville after that and Mobile. <laughs> Mobile. After, mobile? Is it mobile? Mobile. I thought it was mobile. Anyway, all right. So and then Athens, Georgia, Terre Haute- Terre Haute. Terre Haute. Terre Haute, uh, Terre which, is, which is back up in, uh, that's actually a rural part of, uh, of Indiana. So you yeah. could actually have a Southern dialect there, believe it, or not. Indianapolis, and you're back in Florence. That's in November. You're in Val, is it Valdosta? Valdosta? Valdosta,
1: Georgia. Valdosta, Georgia, yes, Jacksonville,
0: Gulf Shores. Man, you're, you're on the road. You're doing great stuff. And man, keep in touch with us. Anyway. Yes. You're, I would write, love you're, to. You're writing great songs. Let us know the next time you're in town. Absolutely. We'll let, let some folks know and get people out to see you. I yep, would yep, love yep. to. So, uh, Hannah, thank you so much thank for coming on this Thank you so out. much for having it. me.
1: I appreciate it. Thank right. you.
0: So, thank you ever so much to Hannah Aldridge, also to the Independence Day staff, Valentino Rivera, Dale Tanksley, Wayne Topinski, and Sally Shackleton. The agreeable Tony Tonloke piscotti manages the Independence Day website. Independence Day's theme music was composed by Great Lakes Myth Society, and they really are great. You should check them out. For Independence Day, I am Joe Armstrong. Please be good to one another. Okay, so hang tight. And we're going to do that little separate thing. And the funny thing is none of those people actually exist except for Tony. Really They' are alter egos of myself. I'll, I'll explain it in just a second. It just you know it's like having a, it's like having my own label like I have my own label, but I'm yeah. the only, I only have me and my buddy are the only people on it. Yeah, right. so right, it's right, just right, some right. way to give yourself legitimacy in That's some way.
1: hilarious. That's really funny.
0: Okay, so let me think on this for just a second. This is the really short encapsulated one. So did you? You're 26. Isabel's a little older, right? Yes. He's yeah. like 30. Yeah, he's
1: in his 30s. All those guys are four or yeah. so,
0: I would guess. So did you uh, kind of know?
1: They're approaching 40 pretty quick. Yeah.
0: Did you did you know of them growing up? Like, did you knew them growing up too?
1: Um. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
0: Okay. I want to be able to. If I'm going to say that, I want at least make sure there's validity behind it. Yeah. That. Uh.
1: Yeah. It kind of how that kind of came about is my dad and Jason wrote okay. together, and then. Um, I kind of just met him. He's from your hometown. Yeah, he's from my hometown. Yeah, Yeah, and Patterson Hood is the drive-by truck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: Um, Okay, think, think, think real quick. Okay, this may take a couple tries because I try to make it short and snappy, but we're almost done. Three, two, one. Welcome to an Independence Day web exclusive. My name is Joe Armstrong. Thank you ever so much for listening. Tonight's guest, Hannah Aldridge. She is a Nashville-based singer-songwriter, but she is from Muscle Shoals, Alabama, which is a place that's got more history than some other places will ever have when it comes to the music business. She's going to play a song from us that some of you will find familiar. It won an award recently at the Americana Music Awards for song of the year and couldn't be more deserved, I think. Mm -hmm. But this isn't about Jason Isbell. This is about this is about Hannah Aldridge. Hannah Aldridge. Damn it. Hannah-Aldridge.com. The dash is screwing me up. Yeah, no, is. I understand. Uh, so thank you so much for coming out and you know doing some songs for us. Yeah. It's been great to get to know you. Uh, tell me just a little bit about, like, you kind of know Jason somewhat.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. The, all those guys are kind of hometown boys, you know? I mean, yeah. they're, it's it's amazing to see them selling out shows and, and, and doing what they're doing. And um, I picked this particular song because... Um, I think it's one of the most well-written love songs. I feel uncomfortable even singing love songs most of the time, and this particular song I love. Um, I'm super proud of him, and when I heard this particular song, I thought, holy cow. I mean, he has really taken it to the next level with his writing, but I have one of his tunes on my record as well that I did with his band, and... um, and that one I kind of did for nostalgia purposes. Yeah. And you, you know. come by
0: it honestly because you're from the same town mm-hmm, you know mm-hmm, the guy. Mm-hmm, so it's not like mm-hmm. he's just someone you like. Right. Uh, so this is Hannah Aldridge playing the Jason Isbell song Cover Me Up on Independence Day. I think that's it. There was one other thing I wanted to get in there. I, I lost my train of thought. Oh, uh, yes, this is what I'm going to add real quick. I'm just, this is probably just going to sure. be me. And you can jump in if you want. And the thing about this particular song is that when that record came out, yeah, I had very high expectations and they were not let down in any way, uh, given the changes he'd been through in his life. Wonderful, wonderfully positive changes in his life. And I've played this for people and you know, who like all kinds of different genres of music. And I tell them, if you don't, if this song doesn't move you, your soul is dead.
1: Right. <laughs> I agree. I totally agree.
0: All right. So Hannah Aldridge, so nice to meet you. So nice to learn yes. about your songs. This is a Jason Isbell song called Cover Me Up, Hannah Aldridge on Independence Day. To, that's what i wanted to get Okay what's yeah, the yeah. part about how I've, i really i've played that for people who like dance music i'm like if you don't if this doesn't
1: move you yeah this isn't a great song practically to, to, to tears the Man, first time you hear it traveling alone i can't tell you how much i've oh, worn yeah. that song out